interesting because they've had a lot of stories all of a sudden about the drought. This, is, of course, has now become a historic drought. The cattle are dying. Everything in pretty much, pretty much from Oregon to uh, Pennsylvania is uh, pretty much on fire. I, I saw a map in the New York Times on Sunday that was, or Friday, that was fascinating because it showed the droughts over the past, uh, you know, 30, 40 years, different maps. Oh, huh. Fascinating. Uh, they have data back to 53. And it's interesting. There there was a three-year uh, drought cycle both in the mid-50s and the mid-80s. But uh, this one has uh, surpassed all of them in recent memory. And uh, Well, it's a couple of years in a row of drought for sections of the country. It's staggering because, of course, uh, the farm losses are going to be enormous. And I was reading that a cow... <laughs> You know, the Bart Simpson cow. Don't, as in, don't have one. Don't have one. Uh, they uh, need 35 gallons of water a day, each one of them. So the herds are being paired. Burger prices are probably going to be a little cheaper at, for a little while, but watch out next year. And uh, no telling what's going to happen to the agriculture uh, situation this summer, but, but losses are obviously going to be in billions. Ironically, of course, this past week they had an all-time or 60-year event in Beijing with uh, so much rain, they, they don't know what to do. And this, of course, is what's... And Japan has had some horrendous uh, rainfall flooding situations recently. So uh, while America is parched, uh, Asia is getting too much water. That's called climate change. And it's interesting... Uh, I just found this in, uh, little article that I saved uh, from a couple months ago from the uh, university record regarding the percentage of, uh, of uh, Americans who uh, believe that global warming uh, has reached an all-time high, 
uh, in uh, two th- since the fall of 2009. Reading from an item here from the 5th of March edition by William Foreman. The university record, by the way, occasionally has some very interesting public events, public service, public information stuff that's basically summaries of work that's going on here at the University of Michigan, academic stuff. Uh, Very useful because it's factual. It's based on empirical research. You mean scholarship and learning actually pay off in some strange, unexpected way? Yeah, it's uh, too bad more people don't read Astonishing these things, but uh, in uh, according to the Gerald R. Ford School of Public Policy and the Muhlenberg College Institute of Public Opinion, when the initial survey was done in the fall of 2008, 72 percent said that they believed that there was solid evidence that uh, average temperatures on Earth have been getting warmer over the past four decades. The number declined to 65 percent in the fall of 2009. And it fell further to 58% in 2010. But last year, that number rebounded to 62%. And what's interesting about this is this is in the context of the infamous phone hacking event in uh, England involving the Rupert Murdoch publications. He was in the news this past week. Indeed. Resigning uh, some positions, lots of controversies involving the Fox News Empire and its associated uh, assets, media assets all over the globe. But that East Anglia story uh, really has proven to be a fraud. And it involved hacked emails that were misinterpreted. and then, Willfully misinterpreted, you might even yeah, say. Yeah, willfully misinterpreted. And, of course, the Fox News uh, propaganda network um, promoted this idea that uh, global warming was a hoax. Well, James Inhofe is a hoax. <laughs> and speaking of other hoaxes, uh, yeah, you can't beat Louis Gohmert. Republican congressman from Texas will give him a brain damage award. His response to the events in Colorado were, it's unfortunate that nobody in the in the cinema had a gun on them. You know, I was waiting for somebody to say that because you knew they would right and uh of course we all know that it's not just dangerous and foolhardy but prohibited to shout fire in a crowded movie theater right famous landmark supreme court case shooting in the dark yeah with 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 people (laughs) stampeding towards you right i mean Uh, the image of nothing but uh uh, magnify the the body count you would have had to have been a professional marksman Military goggles, yeah. I mean, to to do anything in that situation. Well, in fact, there were military types in the theater. Right. Peacefully enjoying a a night's entertainment. And it's, uh, you know, of course, uh, another horrific event, but uh, don't expect America to do anything about it. Why would they? Um, There are 800,000 violent crimes a year that are committed by guns. Reading here from a scholarly work published back in 1995, the politics of gun control. Um, remarkable. From 1959 to 1993, the average American uh, household, about 47%, have guns in the home. Uh, the low was 72 when it was 43%, probably associated with the Vietnam War. And it reached an all-time high of 58% in 1983 when Reagan was president. Um, 70 million Americans own 
one or more guns. 62 million shotguns, 66 million handguns, 73 million rifles. Uh, there are 14 million hunters. 60% of all homicides are committed with guns. Um, in 1991, as an example, there were 38,000 reported gun deaths. 18,350 were homicides. 18,526 were suicides. <coughs> and 1,441 were accidental deaths. These are children playing with guns that they find, uh, hunters who, you know, <coughs> misfire or step in a hole or whatever, or people that go hunting with Dick Cheney. <laughs> or with lots and lots of beer. Yeah, and uh, it's fascinating, uh, this work, by the way, uh, just one of the things that I found was called The Politics of Gun Control by Robert Spitzer, published in 1995. Interesting that about the politics regarding the NRA, uh, some other interesting things, including uh, a, a story from the militia activity in the, uh, from the Civil War, James McPherson, his, uh, Civil War historian, said by the 1850s, the old idea of militia service as an obligation of all males had given way to the volunteer concept, quote-unquote. Those militia outfits still meeting at all, quote, spent more time drinking than drilling. <laughs> and, of course, the term militia is important because that's the really crucial language in the Second Amendment that sort of flies in the face of the uh, NRA's so-called logic. Uh, of everyone's right to own a gun. And, of course, when you look at the, uh, the, over and over again, the story was that this guy purchased these guns legally. Yeah. Well, that's comforting. Uh, now that we know what his sinister plan was, uh, but by any stretch of the imagination, how can you argue that uh, anyone needs a Glock for hunting purposes or an assault rifle? Sure. These are not hunting weapons. The and the NRA's fact purported goal is to, you know, maintain the... Huntsman, and and of course this idea that you know everyday citizens will uh, need to be heavily armed to protect themselves from a their own government or b an outside power is uh, ludicrous in this day and age, and has been since oh eighteen fifty. And I think one of the more troubling aspects of this whole public uh, event uh, is that um, the the fellow was able to buy ammunition over the internet. Now that's six thousand that, rounds. That's got to be banned. Uh, after the assassination of John F. Kennedy, it was no longer permissible to buy rifles mm -hmm. via mail order. And this book details the history of gun control and notes that there have been, uh, since the founding of our republic, uh, something like 20,000 state and local initiatives regarding gun control, uh, many of them upheld by Supreme Courts. One of the nice things about this book is it's got a lot of the actual Supreme Court cases that dealt with this so-called Second Amendment. More interesting, of course, is the NRA, which I've always said does stands really for not realistic anymore, um, because this book cites uh, their role in the political process, which is uh, fairly frightening. Uh, Wayne LaPierre, of course, uh, is still the so-called executive president or vice president or whatever he calls himself. Um, and over the years, the NRA uh, devotes very little of their money to uh, budget 
related uh, spending on hunter safety programs, police training courses, and the like. Um, Spitzer notes that in 1980, 19% of the NRA budget went to hunter safety, etc. By 1988, only 11%. But there was a dramatic upsurge in political spending. And this has run the NRA deeply into the red. In 1991, it posted a $9 million debt. In 92, the debt was over $30 million out of a total budget of $84 billion, uh, million, excuse me. And its liquid assets dropped from $91 million to 80, uh, $68 million. So they spend most of their money, as this uh, report shows, on the, the PACs and banking certain candidates and uh, attacking others. For instance, in the 85-86 election cycle, it gave 644,000 to 139 Republican candidates and 255,000 to 68 Democratic candidates, spent an additional 750,000 on independent expenditures and 73,000 in negative campaigning against 26 Democrats and four Republicans. Those, of course, are just sample years uh, that Spitzer cites, but it gives you a kind of a, a feel for what the NRA really does. And, of course, with Congress, well, I don't know whether they should be abolished. Do they ever do their job? Do they ever accomplish anything? Uh, it's, it's remarkable. And these shootings occur week after week after week. Uh, there was just a shooting in a bar in Tuscaloosa, Alabama a couple weeks ago in which 17 people were shot by a man packing uh, an assault rifle, I, I believe. Uh, here's a classic uh, th uh, uh, story from a, a town near where I grew up in uh, Athens, Ohio. This is from Logan in Hocking County. Get this one. A dispute over whether a terminally ill woman should have been given tea and toast or an orange apparently upset her husband so much that he shot and killed two of her sisters and his own son before killing himself. Well, you know, if only one of those sisters had been packing a gun. Uh... <laughs> oh, right. Nothing would have changed. The sheriff, quoting uh, the woman's son, this is from the 11th of January tw uh, uh, this year, 2012, uh, Ralph Sowers said that his stepfather, Paul Gilkey, spared him because he had children. The shootings on Monday, Mr. Gilkey, 63, sat down a, on a chair on his porch and shot himself to death after, of course, he killed his uh, two sisters and his uh, terminally ill uh the terminally ill woman. Classic. Uh, of course, the media didn't camp outside Logan, Ohio for too many days discussing that event. Well, and that's a good point. In fact, I'm going to read uh, one, two, six panel uh, blurbs from uh, Mike Thompson, the cartoonist for the uh, Detroit Free Press, who in Sunday's paper, sometimes you just can't do it in a picture. Uh, he just has these balloons over a theater now playing and coming soon. Uh, here's what he wrote. At least 12 people were murdered in a single shooting event at a movie theater in Aurora, Colorado. It was horrible and tragic, but 12 people are murdered every 13 days in Detroit, a city where 184 people have been murdered this year as of July 15. 
There's no outpouring of shock and disbelief over the prolonged carnage in Detroit, similar to that shown in response to the ghastly event in Colorado. As horrible as it is to contemplate, we've become largely indifferent to the most heinous of all crimes when it comes in a steady trickle. These days, only mass murders evoke widespread shock and outrage in America, but how long before that changes, too? And I think you've already suggested that it it really has, that uh, these events are, oh dear, here's another one, but there you go, there's nothing anyone can do, so here we are with our hands tied. And uh, when Erica Good and Dan Frosch write in the front page of the Sunday Times in an article uh, somewhat sensationally titled In Dark Theater, Heroes in Life and Death, as some of the profiles of the victims are outlined, but they write, uh, this woman went to the movie with her mother, uh, the little girl who died, uh, went to the movie with her mother, blah, blah, blah. She was uh, too young to know much about Batman, too inexperienced to know that in the ferocious uncertainty of life, a movie theater could, without warning, become one of the most dangerous places on Earth. Well, guess what? In America, any place can become the most dangerous place on Earth. A church, a school, a family tea and toast gathering. Yeah. You know, when people are heavily armed, any dispute has the potential to turn into uh, some sort of, uh, you know, Jesse James uh, melee. And the thing is, what's remarkable is, of course, the public opinion support for gun control has declined markedly over the last 20 years, which I think is a terrible thing because, you know, we're living in the 21st century. The idea, you know, I think I I saw statistically 80 percent of people live in urban areas. Guns have no role uh, except as as. uh, uh, Robert Spitzer points out in uh, in being involved in. 800,000 violent crimes. Those numbers are staggering. So one of the problems with this whole uh, event is uh, instead we're going to, the media will focus on the, quote, the heroes and the feel-good aspects and how social media is is keeping everybody uh, together and... Immediately updated. Immediately updated and feeling good about the community spirit and all that stuff, and that's all fine, but the question is... What are we going to do about it? And, and the answer is nothing. Right. And, uh, um, of course, the Democratic Party over the years has promoted some concepts of gun control here and there, but they realized following the 2000 election involving George W. Bush, who demagogued that issue to death, uh, which hurt Al Gore, that it's a toxic subject. Obama's not going to touch this. And yet, when he came into office, we had perpetual propaganda about how Obama was taking away people's guns. Well, in fact, in the fact, first, yeah, gun the, sales skyrocketed. Skyrocketed in the first uh, 18 months of his uh, first administration. Might have actually helped the economy. <laughs> it was the stimulus package that nobody talked about. Well, and the one potential you know, loophole to focus on, as Carl Levin has once said, is there's nothing in the Second Amendment about bullets. Exactly. Daniel so, Patrick Moynihan yeah. was the first senator to bring that up on this the floor of the Senate. Ammunition angle is uh, is wide open for uh, tighter controls and restrictions and regulations because six thousand rounds. Who needs six thousand rounds? You know, for anything. If you're that bad of a shot in hunting, you know, practice with darts first. Yeah. Take up jarts. Oh, that's right. They took jarts away. Or shoot a whale. They're big. Because they're dangerous. Remember jarts, the lawn darts yeah, that you yeah. throw? The government took those away because 
children were, quote, losing their eyes. Well, I don't know anybody growing up in Jackson who ever lost their eye in a jart. But uh, jarts aren't protected by the Second <laughs> Amendment. So it's okay to take those away. Guns, which are involved in uh, incredible amounts of violent crime, suicide, accidents, mayhem, uh, you know, clearly hunting and sportsmanship, these are honorable and noble traditions. I've got friends who participate uh, in that. Uh, they're careful, thoughtful people. Uh, handguns, Glocks, assault rifles, you don't need those. Nobody does. Nobody does. And the thing is about this fellow uh, that makes it even more diabolical. And, and let, let me be clear about this. This guy is crazy, but he's not mentally ill. This was a, this was a premeditated act. This, this fellow knew what he was doing. He, I mean, he's got a gas mask. He's got an incendiary device. Armor. These are other things, by the way, that the NRA is trying to protect under the, quote, Second Amendment. Ridiculous. Uh, Especially in the face of uh, the longstanding Republican law and order uh, posture, anyway. Uh, police uh, are not happy about the NRA's stance on these uh, body armor things. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And the thing is, is obviously the other factor in this horrible event is he apparently had some sort of psychological um, fascination with uh, the Joker uh, from the Batman movie. Um, Batman, of course, wears body armor. He knew that that theater would be uh, sold out because this, once again, is an example of the promotion uh, of in, in Hollywood of these sort of blockbuster movies. I didn't see the second Batman. I saw the first Batman, and what's the most memorable line from the movie? It's, it's Jack Nicholson as the Joker saying, you, you call that a gun? You want to see a gun? Right. That's the line that people remember because Jack Nicholson's such an effective actor. Um, superhero movies are great. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because this actually sounded from movie reviews like it might have been a fantastic movie in many regards. But when they're promoting these things using IMAX, and I mean, the junk that Hollywood, sh you know, well, produces the, is, is just startling. You know, not having seen the movie yet myself, but when you see the uh, the previews and trailers for it and ads on television that feature 9-11-style uh, events, uh, here we are again in that moment where some of us, when 9-11 was happening, were looking at these and going, wow, this is horrifying, right? Well, next time you see a movie, maybe even be more horrified when you see these, you know, artificially duplicated events of uh, catastrophe. So in this new Batman movie, bridges collapse, uh, buildings collapse, yeah. mass devastation and mayhem. I'm not blaming the, the, uh, the, the movie itself for the, the terrible events, but when it is troubling when so much of our popular entertainment is uh, built around fear. Fear. And, uh, and special effects fear. related to violence. Um, very interesting, the review uh, of this movie that was published on in, in uh, Friday's New York Times by uh, Manolia, Manolha uh, Dargis. Of course, this was the review was written before the events. Mm -hmm. uh, it was in the in the paper. The only people that probably read the, the review before finding out about the events in Colorado were people that lived in New York City that got the early edition. Right. Because you can buy the New York Times uh, Thursday night at these the old-fashioned uh, newsstands on the street corners. Ah, oh, if only we had old-fashioned newsstands. But uh, I think it is appropriate uh, to 
to discuss a little bit about the shooter himself. I don't care about his his background. I mean, this is a Ph.D. type person. Um, no brushes with the law. He's a he's a law-abiding citizen. That's reassuring to know. You can obtain all these things and buy stuff over the Internet, for gosh sakes. Crazy. A very interesting uh, article in Sunday's New York Times by Dave Cullen, who investigated the Columbine um, massacre in depth. And he talks about the contrast between the two shooters. Uh, and he says, don't, don't jump to conclusions about the killer noting that the, the early stories about this were that this was sort of a, a, a bullying thing in which uh, they went after jocks um, because they were being picked on. He notes that both Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold kept journals. He says, Mr. Harris kept a, a sort of a journal for an entire year focused on on his plan to blow up his high school and mow down survivors with high-powered rifles. Mr. Klebold kept a more traditional journal for two years, spewing a wild array of contradictory teen angst, deep depression, and grappling seriously with suicide from the first page. Uh, Mr. Harris's uh, journal is hate, hate, hate all the way through. He was a cold-blooded psychopath. Uh, but uh, Mr. Klebold's journal is a revelation. Ten pages are consumed with drawings of giant fluffy hearts. Some fill entire pages. Others dance about happy clusters with I love you stenciled across. He was ferociously angry. He had one primary target for his anger. Not jocks, but himself. What a loathsome creature he found in himself. No friends. No love, not a soul who cared about him or what had become of his miserable life. None of that objectively true, but that's what he saw. And, of course, these were fellows that grew up in a kind of more well-to-do sort of suburban area of, uh, of Denver uh, near Aurora. Uh, Aurora, interestingly, the third biggest city in, in Colorado. And, of course, Colorado has been beleaguered with all sorts of bizarre events this summer, including the wildfire right. fires. And a police officer was shot just a couple weeks ago in, in a park at a jazz concert, breaking up a fight. Now, what this is, this is an example of somebody packing a, a gun at, a, at an event that's inappropriate. There shouldn't be any firearms at a jazz concert where undoubtedly beer was flowing. Uh, what the dispute was about was, well, it was probably over whether a tea and toast or an orange should right. be served. Uh, you know, it's frightening. And when you hear, you know, 18,000 uh, homicides a year from guns. I'm, this is just one year example, of course. Now, back in the early 90s in which I cited those statistics, the numbers were higher. But let's face it. I mean, 1,441 accidental deaths. That's half the number of people that died in 9-11. 18,000 is six times the number of people have, that died in 9-11. The government is spending almost $100 billion now on so-called security related to this stuff. So where's the outrage? Where's the action? Is anything going to happen? Don't count on it. Don't doubtful. bet the farm. Yeah, very doubtful. Especially the farm that's drying up. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, even when when there was an assassination attempt on Reagan and uh, Press Secretary James Brady was grievously injured and then devoted the rest of his life to becoming an advocate for tighter gun controls, you'd thought... Which well, they passed. A, which they did pass, and we have those safety checks. But then it, then it expired on, on, the assault, right. on the assault rifles. These guns were banned for a while. Yeah. Now, what role that they have in, in, uh, in the, the so-called Second Amendment... I don't know. It just doesn't apply. I don't understand why Americans can't. I mean, the NRA is is not the National Rifle Association. It's it's the the homicide uh, friends of the homicide uh, crowd association. It's the pistol uh, pistol whipping uh, association. <laughs> That's what they should be called, the pistol whipping association. Uh, Here is dark and troubling news from the Progressive Magazine's no comment page. Uh, the Hiller Armament Company made a gun range target that resembles Trayvon Martin, the teenager shot to death in February in Sanford, Florida. The silhouette on the shooting target is faceless, but the image includes a hoodie, a package of Skittles candy, if you can believe it, and a can of iced tea. Now, this is just sickness. Well, that's uh, getting back to tea and toast. Right. Yeah, the target sold out in two days, yeah. according to radio station WKMG. So... There's some heavy uh, sickness out there, and heavy sickness is difficult enough to slog through uh, without heavy sickness and heavy armaments. Yeah, and, and it's crazy. And unfortunately, uh, you know, Mitt Romney's going uh, to, to 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 visit Israel and Poland on his uh, trip abroad, in which he burnishes his foreign policy credentials. Um, We'll have Romney to talk next week about uh, Netanyahu's uh, collapse of the coalition government. Yeah, and 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 Romney could have solved, by the way, real quickly, probably his Bain capital problem if he had just come out and taken care of it last week, because the gun thing would have just wiped the oh. whole thing off the map. Yeah. How ironic, by the way, that the villain in this Batman movie is Bane. Right. <laughs> B a n e. And he the is more traditional Anglo-Saxon. He is described the by the critics as a nihilist. He's not into organized violence. It's 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 nihilism, and that the Joker screams out the window <laughs> while bridges collapse and the apocalypse is upon us. I'm going to see the Batman movie for a variety of reasons at some point because it does sound like as a cinema event it it is outstanding. But uh, it's going to be interesting how this movie is always going to be associated with this event. Indeed. Much as Taxi Driver, the movie, is associated yep. with the uh, the assassination attempt on uh, Ronald Reagan. And what uh, more needs to be said? Well, uh, we'll say a little bit next week <clears throat> about the passing of uh, Alexander Kovac. Yeah, very sudden. Who uh, died suddenly uh, at age 71 last week. Uh, his Probably his last column uh, appears in the brand new issue of The Nation magazine dated August 6th on the newsstands now. And guess what he's talking about? Libor. Libor. Well, it's a story that's not going away because no. uh, Britain will have host the Olympics for a couple of weeks here to get that off the front pages. Right. So uh, look for uh, Ronald, I mean for uh, Mitt Dimley, Dim Mitley to uh, appear uh, in uh, Poland with a, with a Polish washerwoman of, of some sort. So he can <laughs> Reading look. Reading phonetically. He can look more like a real American with his sleeves rolled up and maybe he'll uh, 
have a punchki or two just to show that he's a regular guy. Well, Jerry Mack's a regular guy.